Okay, so this is one of the craziest podcasts that I've ever heard. It's a discussion between the founder of uh, AngelList and a uh, great person to follow on Twitter, Naval Ravikant, and the author Rob Reed. And so the beginning of my notes, um, I'm going to go over like things that are pretty applicable to entrepreneurship. So we're going to get a brief bio on Naval and everything else. And then from there, the conversation kind of focuses on uh, the asymmetric nature of technology and how you how one or a small group of people can use it not only to do great things, but can do really uh, terrible things and, and specifically like violence against other humans. But before we get there, let me just give you a brief bio for Naval. And he says, when I got to Silicon Valley, I started working for a little ISP called At Home Networks. And this was back during the first dot-com bubble. From there, I helped start a company that made linearized optical amplifiers. I have no idea what that is, but that sounds interesting. And then he says, uh, then I helped do the same thing with a 3D graphics team that eventually created Google Earth. Um, after that, he started his own dot-com, which, uh, which was called ePinions. And ePinions actually was purchased and went public as part of shopping.com. Um, but that's all in like another life for Naval. What he's probably best well known for now is um, AngelList. So um, he talks about like the, you know, most of the companies that we cover or uh, you and I talk about, um, you know, they have usually prehistories. And the prehistory of AngelList was a blog called Venture Hacks. So he says, in 2007, I started a blog with Babak Nivi called Venture Hacks. We were laying bare the game theory of venture capital to entrepreneurs who were raising money. After investing in a whole bunch uh, in a whole bunch of companies, I took the list of investors that I worked with and I opened it up as a public resource. I said, "I'm going to share all my deal deal flow with you, and feel free to share back." So that was the very beginning of AngelList. It was literally a list of angel investors, and now over time, it's gone on to basically become a platform for for early stage companies. And he says, today, AngelList is a platform. You can do financing completely online through syndicates, which is one of their products. Uh, it is the largest driver of capital into the seed stage financing marketplace. Um, AngelList also has uh, something called AngelList Talent, and it's the largest recruiting site for startups uh, anywhere. They're, they're getting a few hundred people uh, jo jobs in the, the technology sector every week. And then they purchased a few years ago or about a year or two ago, they also own Product Hunt where people launch their products online. In addition to that, they also had, I think, I don't think it's a part of AngelList anymore. They had this product called Coinless. I'm pretty sure they, they spun it out into a separate company. And it's basically like a way to do an ICO in like a non-scammy way uh, with all the right paperwork and whatever, whatever the case may be. Okay, so now the discussion kind of goes back into like what is the impact of technology? Like technology is literally being able to do more with less and this can be applicable to all types of like human endeavors so it says the arc of history is giving more and more power to the individual which is great for individual liberties and freedom but not so good when it comes to blowing things up it's just the nature of the faustian bargain with technology that we get so much more power over our natural environment that power includes the ability to destroy things, and the destructive power arrives long before the protective powers do. So I thought that was an interesting idea. And before I go further, I just got to give you some background on um, Rob Reed. So Rob Reed, he has, a, I think, two nonfiction books and two fiction books. His latest fiction book is called After On, and, and uh, the subtitle is a novel of, of Silicon Valley. It's what his podcast is named after. And it's basically, I haven't read it yet, but I read the summary on uh, Amazon, and it's about basically like a, a general AI, 
Um, and it says, I think it's called, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. It's P-H-L-U-T-T-R, Flutter. Flutter is a diabolically addictive new social network and a villainous heroine enemy and our bestie to millions. It's ingested every fact and messages ever sent to, from, and about her innumerable users. Her capabilities astound her makers, and they don't even know the tenth of it. So it talks about, like, the, what's the purpose of this stunning creation? Is it a front for something even darker and more powerful? Um, is it creating a, a new trillion-dollar market? goes on and on. And so basically it's like uh, the summary is, After On achieves the literary singularity, fusing speculative satire and astonishing reality into a sharp-witted, ferocious, believable, IMAX-wide view of our digital age. So the only reason I, I, I pause for a minute uh, just to give that context, because I think it, it informs the rest of their discussion. Um, you know, the arc of history, like Naval just said, is like the, the, there's more power going to the individual. And that individual, we focus mainly on like, how can you use that for commerce, for starting a business, to become an entrepreneur, or whatever the case is. And this discussion is basically using that, the exact same tools that can be used for good, you know, for, to bring about harm and violence to other people. And so it doesn't really fit into the scope of what we normally talk about. But I think one, Naval is just an interesting person in general. And so anytime you can listen to a podcast or hear him speak, uh, I would recommend doing that. But it's also like can inform other discussions and maybe there's opportunities for um, commercial endeavors that can kind of solve the, the inevitable problems that um, that are that are going to 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 occur, whether it's in our lifetime or not. Okay, and so that and that power specifically is what that last part of that sentence. That last sentence was that power includes the ability to destroy things, and the destructive power arrives long before the protective powers do. So then they talk about something I've never heard of. It's called Amara's Law. I didn't know it by name, but I've I've heard this um, this this phenomenon before, and I think it's important. Um, it says we tend to overestimate the effect of a technology in the short run and underestimate the effect in the long run. And he says, destructive technology is spreading and getting easier and easier. What do we do about it? Then the discussion turns and they, they get into this idea that, um, you know, if you've, if you've read any, any like news about AI in the last, like, say, three to five years or whatever the time period uh, you want to pick is, you have basically two different camps. One is, hey, we need to be extremely careful with this that once uh, we create something like this, it quick, very quickly moves beyond our control. And on that side of the fence, you have people like Stephen, uh, Stephen Hawking, uh, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, and others. And then you have a bunch of people within the industry that are saying, you know, this is poppycock. It's like overblown. We're very far away. You don't have to worry about anything. So I think to an- when, when you're analyzing like which side of the issue is correct, I think it's always str- uh, smart to actually look at incentives. And so they, they kind of arrived at that conclusion in this discussion. It says, as Charlie Munger says, whose bread I eat, his song I sing. And so Naval uh, uses that quote because he says, listen, in general, you can't trust people whose livelihood would be destroyed uh, if you stop uh, if you stop the, the activity. So a simpler example of that is like you wouldn't ask a taxi driver what he thinks of Uber. Or you wouldn't ask a real estate agent what he thinks about these new companies that are, that are basically... Per, uh, condensing the home buying process down to uh, just a button on a website to push. So Rob Reed actually says something interesting um, during during this discussion. And he says that the asymmetry between the destructive power and the protective technology, in this particular case, they were talking about drones, is pretty strongly in favor of the aggressor. 
So a really spooky part about the discussion was talking about uh, drones are getting smaller and smaller. Um, they're getting easier to control. Their, their distances are increasing. And uh, they use the example, I think it happened in Gatwick or uh, some, I, I can't recall the exact airport in London, but basically all air traffic was um, grounded for an extended period of time because they were worried about like a drone, drone. The there was drone activity in and around the airport, and of course, if a drone, just like um, like what happened a few years ago with the airplane that got that ran through um, a flock of geese. Well, if it's called, I think it's called a bird strike. When bird strikes gets into the engines, it was enough to shut the engines down, and they had to land in the Hudson. And it was like one of the most famous pictures on the internet. Well, the same thing is happening with drones, and the, the, the idea, Naval actually thinks, and he stated that, hey, on a long enough time period, like, there is, there's not going to be, like, we're not going to be able to have commercial air travel anymore, because you could have targeted drone attacks that can bring down any plane, which is uh, really, really kind of crazy if you think about it. Okay, so he says, um, and they talk about, you know... The, the people creating a lot of these technologies, it's not like they can ever predict how they're going to be used. And to, to know this, and, it, and they're not necessarily going to be happy with what they actually created if it's used for other in, in purposes, right? And so the example they use, they, they look back to history, like just look 50, 60 years ago in the invention of nuclear weapons. He says on the nuclear side, we forget after the war was over, how many of the scientists were absolutely horrified. Many of them had huge regrets over what they've done, including Einstein. So far, their fears had been have been unrealized. That is because nuclear outside of the uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That is because nuclear weapons are still hard to build. But that is not true for the new class of emerging technologies. So that's drone, robotics, uh, malware, things like that, um, that, that are much harder. Like it takes much less resources to build something that can, that can um, bring, up, bring, upon, uh, bring about cat catastrophe. What's the word I'm looking for? Catastrophic um, outcomes. Okay. Um, and then I'd never heard of this before, but um, I just want to read this to you. There's a famous thought experiment called AI in a Box. Uh, so in uh, in this thought experiment, uh, somebody has created a, a basically an, a general level AI. So it says the AI is in some kind of box slash cage and it can't get out. The problem is, is, is if the AI could communicate with you, which it would be able to, it can always get out of the box. It would offer you everything you ever wanted. And if you refused, it would resort to threats of violence against you and your descendants. And finally, it'll make this off the same offer not only to you, but every other human alive. So now you're not just betting against the AI, you're betting that all of humanity would hold the line, meaning all of them would choose uh, to not let, him, let, let it out of its box. And, he's, and he's, his conclusion, which I think is probably accurate, is somebody's going to give in. There's just no way. There's just too many, especially if you're able to offer that to every single person. Like somebody's going to... to 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 let it out and then once it's out there's nothing you can do now naval doesn't think uh that this is you know right right around the corner he says i do think uh general ai is uh, is improbable in the next 50 to 100 years i think we are overestimating our ability to stimulate the human to simulate excuse me the human brain most of the approaches today meaning most of the approaches of building general AI, is just basically trying to replicate like how the brain works right just as much most of the approaches today tries to simulate the brain neuron for neuron 
But that assumes that there are not really any computation. There's not really any computation going on below the neuron level. I would argue that there's probably computation going on at the cellular level, at an atomic level, and at the quantum level. Nature doesn't waste space. It's very efficient. That's probably my favorite quote from this entire podcast. Nature doesn't waste space. It's very efficient. And just because we may not have an understanding of how you could have computation at a cellular level or an atomic level and so on and so forth, doesn't mean it's actually occurring. Um, and then he wants to bring up the point uh, that we were, that I was referencing earlier that, you know, we have a lot of people that are in the field, they've been in the field for a long time, and they're saying, you know, this is, uh, this is you're, you're freaking people out for no reason. And, but Naval's point is like, listen, there's no experts on creating artificial general intelligence. It's never been done. There are not experts on some hollowed ground where other smart physicists, scientists, and mathematicians can't play. So we can't just blindly follow them off a cliff. And then I thought about what he was saying there about, um, you know, there's, there's not experts in every single domain uh, that's available. And even though they were in a discussion on, you know, like the weaponizing this technology, I actually think that that's probably, um, if you think about it from like a broader perspective, that's probably why there's always opportunities for entrepreneurs to pursue. Because there's always uh, things that are unknown and, and overlooked by other people. And those are kind of ripe for, for somebody starting a company around whatever phenomenon or whatever problem they can solve. So it says, if you build something smarter than you, which is what we're talking about, why would it care about you as anything other than a pet? We have out-evolved every other creature on this planet, and you can see what we have done to them to get an idea of what they'll do to us. Um, so he talks about some, some levels of technology that are already out there, even though they're not widely available. The app that he's about to talk about is in closed beta, because when I heard it, I was like, oh, I want that too. And then he says it's in closed beta, so it's not actually available. But he says, I have an app on my phone which has not failed once at facial recognition. I use it at parties all the time. It always identifies that the person without fail. And so he, his logical conclusion there is, I would say physical privacy is dead. So this kind of technology already exists on his phone. It's only a matter of if it's existing on his phone. It's existing on uh, basically on everybody's phone. Um, how many people, if that, that was an app in the app store you could download right now, a lot of people would, would download it. They want that kind of technology. You'd be walking the street. Oh, I see somebody in the street. I take a picture or I open the camera on my, on my phone and now I know that person. I can see what his name is. You can see all maybe his last uh, tweets or his Instagram profile, where he works, if he has LinkedIn, all kinds of information. There's could be, you could tie that to a public database. Now you know his, at, his home address. There's just so, there's such a proliferation of information out there. Like it's kind of, I don't want to use the word scary, um, but it is kind of scary uh, what the combination of these things will lead, you know, 10, 20, 30 years uh, in the future. Um, and then um, Naval talks about Rick and Morty. He says, Rick and Morty is my favorite TV show ever. When you watch it, you realize when you have advanced technology, you destroy the universe on a regular basis. So I've seen a few seasons of that. Anybody who's seen it will know what he's talking about. And then I'll just close on this because... Um, you know, I've talked about in the past that not only am I interested in entrepreneurship and reading and podcasts, but my other love is uh, one of my other loves is history. And I've spent, you know, I don't know, probably hundreds of hours listening to history podcasts, watching documentaries on history, reading books about history. And it, it's something that just because I'm curious and like understanding us as a species and something you realize uh, just exposing yourself to enough history is like, oh, OK, the lowest common denominator in human conflict is always violence. 
So we can kind of pretend that we're some kind of advanced and enlightened species. But if our disagreements go far enough, it eventually always ends in bloodshed. And um, this is something that he's going to quote Joseph Stalin here. Um, somebody, I think, last time I checked, what was it, like 60, 80 million people? He, he attributed, they attribute uh, like their deaths to him, uh, something in that nature. So um, this is, you know, the problem is that humans are secretive and they only, at the very end, end of the line, like they only really um, listen to threats of violence. So I'll just close here. He says, we have to remember that nation states have routinely engaged in bioweapons research in complete contravention of international laws. Joseph Stalin famously said, the UN, how many divisions do they have? He meant tank divisions. International law, unfortunately, has no real force on these issues.